0: I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. What's up, Power Players? I'm Tom Tate. I'm your host and guide. I will be taking you on a time-traveling trip through our past one issue of Nintendo Power at a time, our favorite classic Nintendo magazine. So we're back after a bunch of DLC episodes with a fresh look at the next issue of Nintendo Power, and this is Volume 17, the Final Fantasy Strategy Guide. So I'm really, really excited. I'm actually a week Late with this episode, so I apologize. I know you're tired of hearing my apologies. Uh, Funny story with this one is I was all set and ready to record this uh, episode last week, and it occurred to me at the last minute that my mother-in-law was staying with my family that week, and my mother-in-law happens to stay in the same space where I record these episodes, so I need to find a backup space in my house. I have a closet that might work, Uh, so if you can imagine... The luxurious lifestyle of a podcaster, it would be me huddled up in my closet amidst all of my clothes to bring this content to you. Uh, that might be me next time my, mo- my mother-in-law is in town. So uh, we're going to just jump right into this episode. I'm back in uh, my normal recording space. I'm really pumped about this one. We're going to tie the knot on Final Fantasy because we've spent many weeks prior in, in our previous episodes talking about Final Fantasy because it's clear it was very clear that Nintendo wanted to push this game very hard. So we will get into Final Fantasy today. We'll take a look at the strategy guide that Nintendo Power put out, and we will play some of Final Fantasy's memorable soundtrack. So, As I've mentioned before, I am a huge fan of the Final Fantasy franchise. I think that Final Fantasy VII is easily my top three games of all time. It just hit me at a good spot. I'd probably argue that Final Fantasy VI is the better Final Fantasy. I've played 1, I've never played 2 through 4, so those are games in my backlog that I have to catch up on. Definitely in my bucket list. But yes, I've played Final Fantasy 1, and it was good. It's a true classic for the NES, Uh, so I'm really pumped about this one. Uh, Thanks for joining me today, I hope that you stick around. But before we really get into things, I want to hop into the DeLorean. I want to flash back to November-ish of 1990. We're going to jump right into episode 17 of the Power Time Podcast. So let's head on back to uh, November of 1990. Let's say that you picked up Final Fantasy for the NES, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, and you've been playing it for a bit. Maybe you have uh, been able to get your hands on some of those older issues of Nintendo Power that tell you where to go. That tell you what to do, how to defeat certain enemies. But let's say you haven't. Let's say you're also the only kid on your block who happens to have Final Fantasy. So this was a very challenging title to own. It was unlike a lot of different games that you would be playing on this console. A lot of easy pick up and play games. This game required uh, persistence. It required strategy. It required you to. Uh, really learn new game mechanics. So if you were stumped with Final Fantasy, if you had a hard time progressing through the game, beating the game, I don't blame you. Uh, I definitely remember that being my experience when I was uh, playing it. I never owned this game, but when I was playing it with uh, some of my neighbors, I just remember being a bit stumped. Uh, the overworld reminded me a little bit of Zelda, but you know I was just so used to hitting the button and hacking and slashing with weapons, not entering into turn-based strategy combat. And that's what makes Final Fantasy so perfect for the Nintendo Power strategy guide series. So this is not the first uh, strategy guide that Nintendo Power had put out. We've already covered the Ninja Gaiden 2 guide and the Super Mario Bros. 3 guide. uh, But here we have another dedicated uh, strategy guide. And these are actual numbered volumes of Nintendo Power. So this is issue number 17, volume number 17 of Nintendo Power. Uh, We have a a cover here that I'll quickly describe. Uh, So this cover is awesome. Uh, We have volume 17, it's $3.50, $4.50 in Canada. Uh, Still, we have a play to win strategy straight from the pros, the official Nintendo seal of quality. We have an awesome image here, followed by the heading text, Final Fantasy. Weapons, spells, friends, foes, maps lead to victory. There's kind of a city or a castle in the foreground uh, or in the background and then in the foreground we have four main characters. Now these of course are the unnamed characters. Uh, It's kind of following that Dungeons and Dragons style artwork. We have a mage, uh, we have two sort of warriors, um, and then we have uh, it what looks like uh, a ninja. So this is pretty awesome. Great cover, great illustrations. Flip the guide cover over, and we have the table of contents. So you can immediately see in the table of contents that we're going to get a full walkthrough of this game. We have a map. Uh, we have directions on using the guide. We have chapters one through seven. So the chapter titles here: we have the king's quest, the sleeping prince, the rotting earth. Warriors in the Sky, Rewards of Courage, the Sea Shrine, and Quests End. And then at the end on page 79, we have the full index. So the world map itself actually shows you each land and the corresponding page numbers and chapters to refer to uh, those specific areas when you're going to be encountering them in the game. The how to use this guide section, pretty awesome. There's so much detail here. Uh, there's so much detail that uh, they have to walk you through how to use this guide. Because remember, strategy guides were kind of new back in this time period too. So I don't think gamers were accustomed to, A, buying games that almost required a strategy guide, uh, and then also purchasing a strategy guide. So walking through how strategy guides worked uh, was something that had to happen in the beginning of this guide, but there's a lot of detail, tons of specific information that you can glean from this guide, and we're going to be walking through uh, a little bit of each of the chapters. Before I do that, I want to set the stage for Final Fantasy. Uh, We are going to listen to, from the advantage, uh, the main theme from Final Fantasy for the Nintendo Entertainment System. So let's get started with Chapter 1, The King's Quest. And here's the description for Chapter 1. As the game opens, four travelers have appeared at the gates at the castle in Corneria. All are young and inexperienced, but bold. One seems to be a fighter, a knight in training. Another appears in the garb of a martial arts black belt. The two remaining members of the party are mages, apprentice wizards. Their coming was foretold long ago. So it's clear that we have these four heroes they are approaching uh, the castle in Corneria, and this was a part of a prophecy. So the King's Quest, uh, the imagery, uh, the illustrations on this page, very reminiscent of that 80s, 90s-esque uh, Dungeons and Dragons kind of uh, metal rock album covers, uh, artwork, uh, and that, that exists throughout this guide. So I think that that's really cool. You don't get that level of uh, care these days, I don't. I don't really see this level of, you know, kind of hand-drawn illustrations for video games as frequently. But it's it's a good touch, and it's definitely reminiscent of that early '90s, late '80s style. Uh, there's lots of detail put into every page, and what I loved about the strategy guides with Nintendo Power, uh, and really just Nintendo Power in general, is the story and context that you get in the copy, the text that is written for these pages that you just, you just didn't get this from the game. So it was really exciting. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. So flipping the page, uh, there's a little section here called Rise and Fall. Corneria Town was once called the Dream City. That was before the darkness and the rot began spreading upon the earth. In those golden days, four orbs of power controlled the four elements of wind, fire, water, and earth. But then the light drained from the orbs and the balance was destroyed. As shadows lengthened and the ground shook with tremors, Lucan, the prophet announced that four heroes would appear in time and grapple with this new evil, the light warriors he named them, and then he departed to join the circle of sages at Crescent Lake. In the kingdom of Corneria, as in all the free world, the evil spread from day to day, nightmarish creatures now roamed the forest and cities lay in ruins. The Dark Age had come at last, and leading the forces of shadow was a knight named Garland. It was he who had crippled the four orbs, and it was he too that kidnapped Prince Sarah of Corneria. Only the coming of the Light Warriors could save them. So this really sets the tone, sets the scene for how Final Fantasy starts. And you just don't, I mean, you get a little bit of this through talking to people, but you just don't get this Uh, so much in the game as you do reading it here. Uh, It's pretty awesome. And we get these little bits in each chapter of the guide. So each chapter has these little uh, story setting narratives that gets weaved through the strategy guide. So turning through the pages here, uh, every section starts off with that uh, specific chapter's world map and identifying what pages correspond with each town or location in that section. We have the story snippets like the one I just read. Uh, and little facts and extra areas like where you should level up, uh, what types of enemies frequent which locations, and what you may need to progress. So there's all these little uh, snippets that kind of pop out of the map uh, where they'll show you specific locations. And then as you turn the pages, each location then gets its own breakout with clear step-by-step direction on where to go. You have locations of treasure chests and what's in them, more story to help provide context on what you're doing. Call-outs for special items, like here's a callout for TNT uh, Dynamite. Whenever there's a shop, uh, a list of what you can purchase is presented with the price, the description. Uh, and for spells, it will give you a best buy, yes or no declaration. So it will let you know what spells to pass on and which ones to purchase, which is really helpful in any RPG. Uh, There's also a breakout section per area that lists enemies along with their hit points, attacks, weaknesses, and a screenshot of what the enemy looks like. Another thing that I really appreciated was that it it looks like it tells you specifically uh, the strategy guide recommends what level your Light Warriors should be at before you attempt to attack certain enemies or head into certain areas. So just a spoiler alert if you've never played this game. You start off your adventure by rescuing a princess from the evil knight garland. And this opens up a bridge that allows you to cross into a new area. And that uh, is when the title screen appears with the game credits along with, and so their journey begins. It's just kind of cool that you don't see the opening credits uh, before the actual game starts. You have to save the princess first, but let's take a break. Let's check out the opening theme right now. We'll listen to that and then we'll come right back. So I really do love this particular device in games and movies where the title doesn't really come up until after a significant portion of the story has already happened. Uh, so you get into it before you actually see like, okay, now is when the story begins. And for an NES title in 1990, this feels pretty epic. Uh, so the chapter, the chapters in the strategy guide, they, you know, continue with the same format. We have maps, the story instructions on what to do, special item callouts, enemy info, and tips. And then finally, at the end of each chapter, uh, there is a summary of events uh, letting you know what you did. So uh, there's basically a recap of what you did, which is, which is helpful for such a dense game. And then you have an unsolved mysteries section just to let you know some things you might revisit uh, or things that weren't fully tied up. And then there's a full enemies uh, section as well with battle techniques that you'll also get at the end of each chapter. So this format continues for six more chapters. Uh, We have The Sleeping Prince, The Rotting Earth, Warriors in the Sky, Rewards of Courage, The Sea Shrine, and Quests End. After the guide concludes with those six chapters, there's an index that gives you quick page references uh, to where you can find any enemy weapon armor tool items, white magic, black magic, locations, characters, special items, class changes, or special monster attacks. You can find their corresponding pages. Uh, So that is incredibly helpful as you're kind of uh, dog-earing and going back and forth throughout this guide, throughout your journey in Final Fantasy. All in all, you have 81 pages of pure strategy guide goodness from Nintendo Power. Uh, This is definitely an essential companion if you were trying to really crush it in Final Fantasy back in the day. I I know kids that beat Final Fantasy. It was not uh, fun for them. Uh, It was challenging. It was a slog. Uh, RPGs were new. So this level of direction and guidance was truly helpful. And no one did this better than Nintendo Power uh, back in the day. If they were, their uh, magazines and guides were harder to come by. Uh, They might have existed, but they were harder to get your hands on. No one made this more accessible than Nintendo Power. So we're going to take another really quick break because I want to play as much Final Fantasy music as possible. But we will be back to talk about the development of this great game because the story behind how Final Fantasy was made is pretty interesting. Um, And it was made a couple of years before we've even seen it, uh, before we even saw it in the U.S. uh, because it was developed in Japan a few years prior to that. So we're going to listen to the overworld theme to Final Fantasy and then we will be right back. Let's jump into the history, the development of Final Fantasy. It was originally released in the United States in 1990 for the Nintendo Entertainment System, but this was actually three years after its release in 1987 in Japan for the Famicom. Nintendo of America was heavily involved in this translation, uh, hence the massive coverage in Nintendo Power, most most likely. So Nintendo Power, or Nintendo had stake in Final Fantasy's success. So it was a really fantastic game. So no doubt uh, they wanted to present it in Nintendo Power, but because they had stake in the success of the game, I'm not surprised that we've been talking about Final Fantasy for quite a few of the main episodes uh, in the past, maybe five episodes. Uh, The game was developed and published by Square Uh, who went on to develop some of the most incredible Japanese RPGs. Uh, They're probably, in my opinion, kind of the monolith of Japanese RPG developers. Um, At the time, though, they were known for more action-oriented games. like They had Rad Racer, which I'm sure many of us have played, and Mystery Quest. And an RPG like Final Fantasy was actually a departure from their previous efforts. This was not what they were known for. Uh, For those not in the know, RPGs, it stands for role-playing game. Uh, RPGs like Final Fantasy, they introduced a lot of different gameplay mechanics that gamers weren't yet accustomed to. So you control a party of four characters in Final Fantasy, and you get to construct your party based on different character archetypes, like fighters, mages, uh, knights, etc. Final Fantasy includes a giant world map, so giant for the time, course we've seen greater world maps uh, since then but giant for the time there's this big world map that users could explore they could find dungeons and towns that can be accessed over time uh, so not everything is av- available to you at once uh, not like the legend of zelda uh, at the time which really you could go to any panel uh given you could survive in that specific uh panel you get vehicles like a canoe uh there's even the infamous air- airship in final fantasy to help you get to previously inaccessible areas. So vehicles really help open up new locations that you could explore. There are random battles with enemies. Uh, So you would just randomly encounter enemies that you would have to fight. Uh, You would encounter them on the world map. It would flash over to a battle screen uh, and then you would attack uh, turn-based, right? So each uh, enemy and each character would take a turn to choose an attack or to choose using an item or using a magic spell. Um, enemies and your own characters have what are called hit points. And when one person runs out, when one uh, character runs out of hit points, the character or enemy is dead. You equip weapons, you learn spells, certain enemies have special weaknesses. So I'm going on and on about RPGs. I just want to, uh, I make a strong assumption sometimes that people know all of these things or have played all of the games. But if you haven't played Final Fantasy, uh, that should be a good overview of what the gameplay is like. Um, And, you know, I'm sure many of us have played one of the hundreds of Japanese RPGs since this game was released. Uh, So I'm just going to keep pushing forward. There's a lot more to it. Uh, There's a lot more to what makes Final Fantasy so exciting. My description was probably kind of bland, Uh, but it was very much a a dense game with a lot to explore and just tons of gameplay. Uh, You could play this game for, for weeks if you wanted to, and then you could start over and play again. The other thing, really, is that Final Fantasy introduced the concept of grinding for a lot for a lot of gamers. So the time spent playing the game and fighting random battles uh, that was probably new to most people, and ultimately that would extend the amount of time that you spent with this game, the amount of time you spent playing it. Uh, even if you were doing something like grinding, you're still attached to Final Fantasy. You're still experiencing it. So how does a game like Final Fantasy actually get developed? How does a large game like this actually end up going through the development cycle? And it's funny because there's about a dozen different stories out there that describe how Final Fantasy was made. And regardless of what story you've, you hear or what story you kind of buy into, it all kind of starts with Hironobu Sakaguchi, who had designed a few NES games like Rad Racer, King's Knight, and an interesting game uh, called 3D World Runner. Uh, it's a really interesting title. I'd love to cover that one day. Uh, none of them really took off, so he was planning to leave Square. He was planning to, I think, go back to school. But before doing so, he pitched an RPG project. Typically, this would not have gotten off the ground, but as we discussed already on the Power Time podcast, Dragon Quest did surprisingly well in the East. And as we've seen, uh, but they didn't know this at the time, Um, it did really well in the West eventually as well too. Uh, So in the future, it would do really well in the West. So Square gave the thumbs up for Sakaguchi to begin development on fighting fantasy, which of course would become known as Final Fantasy. And there are a few stories for how Final Fantasy actually got that final name. So here's a quote from a great article Uh, in Wired which I will link to in the show notes. Uh, There are two different stories out there. One is that Square was going bankrupt and thought this would be their last game hence Final Fantasy. The other is that Sakaguchi was going to quit Square and go back to college but make one final game before he left. Uematsu who's Nobuo Uematsu the composer of Final Fantasy. uh, Uematsu laughed It's true that Sakaguchi was going to quit, he said, but the bigger reason, the real reason, was that Square was going to go bankrupt and the designers believed that it would be the company's swan song. So this was the, according to Uematsu and a lot of gaming lore, this was the game that saved Square. So if this game did not succeed, we would not have received any of the other Final Fantasy titles, any of the other Japanese RPGs that we've grown to love, like Chrono Trigger. Um, So the success of this game really shaped uh, the future of RPGs, the future of gaming, the future of gamers. I don't think I would be the same person if I didn't get to experience Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana and all these other games. Uh, So it's really awesome to consider that this game was intended to be the final game for this company. So Regardless of what story you buy into, uh, the game eventually got approval, and Sakaguchi began developing with a team of only seven people. I think that's absolutely crazy that this game, uh, now we have teams of two, three, four hundred people for some of the AAA titles, and this game was developed with only seven people. So we have Hiromichi Tanaka, Akitoshi Kawazu, Koichi Ishii, who was the creator of the Mana series, he was on this title, Uh, Nabua Umatsu, who was the composer. So these are some of the seven uh, people in addition to Sakaguchi that were working on this game. And in doing research for this episode, um, I've read a lot of comments on YouTube and blog articles of people who are still so fond and in love with Final Fantasy just because of the music. So that's definitely a huge testament to Uematsu. Uh, Maybe because so much time was spent with the game, especially with grinding, people really resonate with the music because it became so ingrained In their mind, Uh, those earworms just kind of got stuck in there. But a lot of the themes and the compositions, I feel like they end up making their way into future Final Fantasy titles. They get recalled, especially that classic theme, of course, that we heard earlier from The Advantage. Uh, But next up, I want to listen to one of my favorites, uh, one of my favorite tunes from the game, which is the town theme. It's kind of different, but really appreciate that. When we come back, we're going to talk just about the legacy of Final Fantasy, Fantasy for the Nintendo Uh, And then we're going to wrap up this episode. want to wrap up this episode by talking about this game's legacy and where you can find it and play it if you're ready to take it for a spin, especially if you haven't already. So the developers of this game, they drew from a ton of various sources, including existing video game RPGs like Ultima and Dragon Warrior, but also from non-video games like Dungeons and Dragons. It's pretty obvious some of the characters that they chose, especially for enemies. And there's a great retrospective on Final Fantasy over at HardcoreGaming101.net. This was written by Patrick R. And here's uh, just a great quote from that. Dragon Quest slash Warrior may have invented the JRPG, but Final Fantasy made it good. Moreover, until Final Fantasy came along, the hero's primary objective in most adventure games was usually the same. Save the princess. Final Fantasy has a princess that needs rescuing too. But its situation is a little different. Saving the princess isn't the last thing you do in the game. It's the very first. It's the prelude. Something you need to get out of the way before you start your real quest. You don't even see the title screen before Princess Sarah is returned home. I honestly think this was Square's way of saying, let Erdrick and Link save the princess. You've got bigger fish to fry, kid. This is totally true. I love this. Uh, There's this deepness to Final Fantasy that we may not appreciate by today's standards, but at the time, it was pretty cutting edge, both in gameplay and story. Uh, The success of the game laid the groundwork for a plethora of JRPGs, including plenty more uh, in the infamous Final Fantasy franchise. Some of my top games, Final Fantasy VI, VII, IX, uh, these were all released in this RPG series, and many of the themes and tropes that are present in Final Fantasy 1, they carry through uh, throughout the series. So if you want to play Final Fantasy today, there are quite a few options, so that's the good thing. Um, of course, you can find a copy on NES, uh, or you can play on the NES Classic, if you manage managed to get your hands on that. happened to have just been discontinued, so the price has skyrocketed. So the game was re-released with Final Fantasy 2 in the early 2000s for PlayStation, and then re-released again for the Nintendo DS. So for PlayStation, it was known as Final Fantasy Origins, and for the DS, it was known as FF uh, Final Fantasy 1 and 2 Dawn of Souls. The PSP also saw a re-release uh, in 2007. iOS, Android, and Windows Phone saw releases as well. I'm not sure how good those mobile ports are. I believe it's on the Wii Virtual Console, possibly on the Wii U uh, in 3DS. I, I didn't confirm that prior to recording, Uh, But apparently, according to uh, the Retronauts crew, so if you listen to the podcast Retronauts, which I definitely recommend, one of the best versions to play in this day and age is Final Fantasy Origins uh, as a PS1 classic. You can get that in the PlayStation Store, so you can play on PS3, PSP, or PS Vita. So if you have those, uh, definitely one of the best ways to play. I actually played the PSP version, uh, which was all right. The load times were atrocious, especially for an already slow game. Uh, It's a challenge to play Final Fantasy now, I think. Uh, If you are looking to cross it off your bucket list and experience it, I'd probably agree and recommend finding that PlayStation version. It might make it a little bit more palatable. Uh, But if that's not appealing to you either, I guess you can go play Final Fantasy 15 or World of Final Fantasy or something else that's a little bit more next-gen. Maybe you could watch a Let's Play video on YouTube. Uh, Or maybe you can just go play Breath of the Wild, uh, which I just finished the other night, or quote-unquote finished. I saw the credits. Uh, I still have maybe 20 or 30 more hours left of amazing content and side-questing to do in that game. Uh, But I did take it to the end. So that's off-topic. Final Fantasy is fantastic. I definitely recommend checking it out. Even if you watch just some truncated uh, videos on YouTube, where you can just see some of the main things, learn a little bit more about it. But that's it. That's going to wrap up today's episode, the end of episode 17. Uh, But if you are a Final Fantasy fanatic, do not fret. We have Final Fantasy 2 in just 13 episodes from now. We will be covering that uh, with Nintendo Power volume number 30. In which it is the cover story. So hard to believe that we are so close to the Super Nintendo issues. This, of course, is the uh, American release of Final Fantasy II. Uh, so it is for the Super Nintendo, but I can't wait, can't wait to get into the Super Nintendo days. Uh, next week, we will continue kind of tearing through 1990. We'll take a look at Dr. Mario, which is one of the classic puzzlers from this era. So tune in and check it out. Thanks so much for your time and attention and for joining me today. If you haven't already, uh, definitely subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast listening app. If you are digging this show, and I hope that you are, a quick review on iTunes lets me know how you feel. So you can leave that on powertimepodcast.com slash iTunes. We'll take you right there. And of course, you can always reach me on the internet. The best way is probably uh, reaching me on Twitter at Yo PowerTime. It's the easiest way. I'm always on there. So if you are a retro gamer or a fan of Nintendo, definitely stay tuned. You're, you're absolutely going to be excited about some of the things that I have coming up. I want to thank you for the support thus far. And as always, I will close things out by saying keep on playing with power.